As the epidemic of obesity continues to grow, we can expect that the prevalence of diabetes will rise accordingly. The age distribution of type 2 diabetes is moving younger and younger. What can we do to stop these alarming trends? Welcome to our special series, Focus on Diabetes. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is certified diabetes educator, Jeannie Diaz. Ms. Diaz also is certified in childhood and adolescent weight loss management through the American Dietetics Association, and she is a certified personal trainer. She works at the Humphreys Diabetes Center in Boise, Idaho, which began in 1987 as a two-person department and has grown to a freestanding, not-for-profit regional diabetes center with a staff of 25, two full-time permanent sites, and two part-time sites. Over 500 local physicians refer patients to the center, resulting in the education of more than 3,000 patients annually. Welcome to ReachMD. Hello, doctor. Thanks for having me. Jeannie, tell us about your work educating patients about nutrition and diabetes. Well, my role as a diabetes educator, registered dietitian, is to educate people on how to eat healthy so that they can keep their blood sugars in a safe range and therefore helping them live a long, healthy life with diabetes. Now, you have special training in childhood and adolescent weight loss management. How do you address kids on these issues? I think children and adolescents present one of the more difficult populations to work with because we're talking about children that have grown up in the age of all that they have known is having TV and computers and all those kind of things at their fingertips. And so they have become accustomed to a lot of sitting and then having food so readily available everywhere we go and in such large amounts. So, again, I think that it has to be addressed very simply in sort of small changes that build on one another, and very definitely the family has to be involved. Studies have shown that weight loss with children is just not successful unless you have the buy-in of the entire family. Is there any way to get the schools involved? One of my personal pet peeves is the proliferation of vending machines at schools selling ridiculously unhealthy food and drinks to these kids during school. Yes, and it has in the last few years really come to the forefront. And and the past president of the American Diabetes Association of several years ago, Dr. Francine Kaufman, really started that movement in the Los Angeles school districts and getting the soda and those, as you mentioned, very unhealthy types of snacks out of the vending machines and replaced with healthier types of food and snacks. And and we're seeing that, I think, more and more around the country that people are realizing that really the conflict is that because those vending machines bring in such a lot of money for the schools, if it's hard for the schools to think about replacing them or not having them, but when they found out, you know, they can put water in there or even some of the sports drinks or things that are healthier choices, that kids still were going to buy them and that they weren't going to hurt their revenue flow, but it would be still much 
healthier for the kids to get all of those empty calories out of school. It seems, you know, being a parent of five kids, I've lived through this more than once, that kids in general don't like vegetables. They really just gravitate towards the sweet and salty things that tend to be bad for you. So how as a parent or a physician or a diabetes educator, how can we encourage healthier choices? Well, I think the research shows that with vegetables that it takes children about 10 exposures to really like vegetables. I mean, as you said, we gravitate towards the sweet, so they're so much different on the, the flavor spectrum that kids, when they're younger, tend not to like them. But if we can find a way that they do enjoy them, like the small baby carrots, the celery, and find things to put with them that are healthy, like salsa or peanut butter on celery, using a low-fat ranch dip, something that will get them their attention as far as get them eating the vegetables and as long as it's something healthy accompanying it. You know, one of the oldest snacks that people know is peanut butter, celery, and raisins, ants on a log, you know, and kids love that and they don't often realize that, yeah, there's celery there, something crunchy, but it can get them exposed to something and get them liking it so that they'll just eat it plain another mm-hmm. time. I'd never thought about this before, but I recently read that one of the theories behind that is that it's almost an evolutionarily protective mechanism that as kids and babies, especially toddlers, that that sort of bitter kind of vegetable taste, that it's protective for them not to eat that because, of course, so many of the plants out in the wild in the old days were right. poisonous. Right. That's very true. <laughs> so, And I know that when I was educated over 20 years ago and learned how of the introduction of how you should introduce food to infants, Of course, at about six months, you start introducing the rice cereals and whatnot, and then it was always fruits came next and then vegetables, and now I think they've kind of changed their thinking on that and want vegetables introduced before fruit because if they have that sweet taste of the fruit prior to being introduced to vegetables, they don't want to eat the vegetables. We've all been there in front of our kids trying to get those green peas into their mouth, and they all (laughs) seem to come right back out. So that's another thing that parents can try to do or physicians can try to suggest when they are introducing foods to their children that they do introduce the vegetables first so that they're not already turned off on vegetables because they've been introduced to fruits first. Yeah, and I completely agree with your dip strategy. That's what works in our house. With a good dip, they'll eat just about anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It doesn't, And we think of carrots and celery as the more common one, but even now they make it so convenient you can buy cauliflower and broccoli and some of the other vegetables already chopped and ready to go. All you have to do is wash them. And I know in my household, if they're already prepared and in the refrigerator and they can just grab them, they're more apt to eat them than if they see them in the bin and think, okay, I got to go and wash them and cut them and then get the dip, you know. So we have to sort of make it easy for them to grab and go just like the cookies and the chips and all those things are because I don't know, it's just sort of the product of their generation is everything has to be instantaneous, you know. So sometimes the parents have to do a little of the prep work for them to get them going. It works for me, too. I tell you, <laughs> not just the kids. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is certified diabetes educator Jeannie Diaz. We are discussing nutrition and diabetes. Now, Jeannie, any tips that you have working with your adult diabetic patients about nutrition? 
again, I think that one of the first things that, that we talk about after we take a food history, that's the very first thing that we do, kind of figure out how are they eating as they come into us, just newly diagnosed with diabetes. And it's typical of American eating to be eating a lot of prepared food, processed food, restaurant food. So we have to try to get them to come back to basics and say, you know, instead of all that processed food that virtually has no fiber, a lot of the nutrients have been removed, just try to get them back to the whole grain, things with fiber, fresh fruits and vegetables, and low-fat dairy, lean meat. So almost the exact opposite of what they're bombarded with on a daily basis at the grocery store and, you know, billboard signs, TV, and fast food restaurants. So it's a difficult task because everything that they see out there is trying to get them to eat totally the opposite of what we would like them to do for diabetes. Now, as physicians, most of us received very little training in nutrition. How can primary care providers best help their patients with nutritional sorts of issues? Well, I think, as you said, that most physicians don't have a lot of experience in that area. So I think the best thing that they can do, because they also have limited time, is to refer them to a registered dietitian. They are the nutrition expert. They have the time to sit down with the person, assess their dietary habits, what they're doing, and how to help that person make some small changes in what they're doing. And what we try to teach as dietitians is that we're not talking about a diet that you're going to follow for X amount of time until you lose weight or your blood sugars are in control. We're talking about making lifestyle changes that you're going to adapt for the rest of your life. So we try to negotiate with patients to be able to buy into small things that they're going to be committed to doing for the rest of their life. Now, how about special diabetic types of diets? Any tricks there? Well, for us, anyway, at Humphreys, we don't really subscribe to any special diabetes diet except for to say that when we're talking with a person with diabetes, we would classify the meal plan that we suggest as being reasonable in carbohydrate because most people come in eating way more carbohydrate than what's appropriate. Increased fiber, because most people in our country are eating way less fiber than what's required. Less fat, and that's to help prevent heart disease and to lose weight. And lower sodium for preventing or controlling blood pressure. So a lot of people come to us thinking that they're going to have to follow something like the Atkins diet, which is no carbohydrate. And they're very pleasantly surprised that it's a very healthy, nutritious meal plan that almost every food that they like can be worked in. It's a matter of how much and how often. And certainly a diet that makes sense for everybody, not just diabetics. Absolutely. And that's why we encourage when a patient comes to one of our classes that they bring their spouse or support person with them so that, again, diabetes affects the whole family. So the whole family needs to be educated on diabetes and they need to know how the person with diabetes should be eating, and that that is a very healthy way or the way that actually everybody should be eating to stay healthy and to prevent diabetes, to prevent heart disease, high blood pressure, and all those other things none of us want to have. Because I think many of us have the idea maybe from years gone by that it's very complicated to have a diabetic in the family and you constantly have to have a calculator out and, you know, be counting everything. So it sounds like that's not the case. 
No, it's not. As long as people can learn how to gauge portion sizes, read food labels, and everybody should know how to read food labels because there's just a wealth of information on there to help people make healthier choices, whether you have diabetes or not. And, you know, it's not a complicated thing. We're not asking people to buy special foods or to eat a particular different way than the majority of other people should be eating. So, yeah, it is not, I think, the way people used to think in the past where everything was weighed out and measured down to the nth degree. It's much more flexible now, and it's much easier to take a person's eating habits and structure a meal plan around the way they like to eat than it used to be. I'd like to thank our guest today, Jeannie Diaz. We have been discussing nutrition and diabetes. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to our special series, Focus on Diabetes, on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening. 